Welcome to room 4216. I'm so glad you've come. Reading the Bible can be difficult. Not to mention understanding it. Having a disability, whether blindness or another, can be difficult too. Sometimes a person wonders if God is even there. Yeah, but in room 4216... God shows us his path and we find... We are not alone. Hi, everyone. It's Pastor Dave. Hi, everyone. It's Cecilia. And we're glad to be back with you in room 4216. Looks like this really is our last day with the book of Job. Hmm. What are we going to do next? Who knows? Uh, But before we talk about uh, ideas sent to our inbox, we do have a message from the inbox. This message is from a listener, Deb, and Deb wrote, Dear Pastor Dave, I really enjoy your podcast, but I was disappointed today when you did not define all the names of God. Can you do that at a future time, please? So, let's take a look at these names of God. Yeah, it was a good question. We did skim over it rather fast. First name is Adonai. Adonai means my Lord. Whenever a, a Hebrew word ends with the, the letter I, like Adonai, it means my. Hmm. And then so Ado, uh, Adon is Lord, my Lord, Adonai. And um, th- thanks to uh, Dr. Mitchell, who I contacted for the information of this, um, he works at Concordia Publishing House. He's a wonderful scholar, a humble man, but boy, he knows his Hebrew. And I mm. thought, with the, the definition of these names, I better verify it. He pointed out that um, a, a, a young maiden might even say, like a young servant maiden to uh, Abraham, my Lord, Adonai. There it would be spelled different than when it's referring to God, Adonai. There's a slight Hebrew variation, but it's pronounced the same way. Hmm. So it means my Lord. Okay. What about uh, Elohim? Elohim, um, El, this is again a, um, a basic Hebrew, E-L means God. And, okay. and then with anything else with it, it's kind of adding to it. Elohim means plural, a multiple God. And some believe it could be, um, oh, what's that called? The, um, the majesty? The, the, yeah, the, plural of majesty. We are ready to receive your obeisance now. Yes, like the Queen of, of England. Yes, that, that, that plural of majesty. But more than likely, it, it, most people believe it's referring to the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So it's not just a plural of majesty, but even more than that, the Trinity. Okay. Then there's that uh, song that, that we used to know in the oh, 80s. Before you go to that one, because okay. it's real close to uh, uh, Elohim, is Elhenu. Oh, yes. And Elohenu. that is a variation of Elohim, God in plural, uh, but here it is my, with the ooh at the end, it's our God of plural. Huh. 
<laughs> we're getting a great Hebrew lesson today, folks. Okay. Okay, then Then there's that, that song that many of us used to know back in the 80s. El Shaddai, El Shaddai, da-da-da. Yep. What and there, does El Shaddai mean? El, again, is God. Okay. Shaddai means, it's a variation off the word almighty or power or magic, not majesty, might. So it pretty much means God almighty. And this is the one that the friends used significantly with Job when they talked in reference to, you must have done some sin against El Shaddai. Or they may have used also, there was sometimes they used Adonai. But the, the key is, it's a distant, powerful, mighty God. Mm. Well, then, of course... There's Yahweh. You mentioned Yahweh before, but review yeah. it for us, please. Yeah, and and and, I, and thank you. And I, I'm glad you kept El Shaddai to the end about the mighty power, because and that's that distant universe off God who comes rolling in with judgment and power. Yahweh literally means I am who I am. This is the, the when Moses stood at the burning bush and said, "Who shall I say sent you?" And, and God said, "I am who I am." And it's J-H-W-H. Now, Hebrew actually doesn't have vowels. It only has consonants. And so that, um, um, to be sure that it was said correctly, uh, uh, they, they, it's kind of like vowels were added. It's called pointings, actually. It looks like our commas and question marks and, and apostrophes and things. And so it's called pointing above those consonants. Well, now, the Hebrews, because they didn't want to misuse God's name, because that's one of the commandments, don't take the name of the Lord God in vain, mm-hmm. they actually changed the pointing, or the we call it vowels, uh, above the J-H-W-H, so they wouldn't say Yahweh, because they didn't want to misuse his name. And so they changed the point, so it would be Jehovah, J-H-W or V-H. And that's how we get the name Jehovah. It's a variation off of those four letters, because they didn't want to misuse God's name. But here's the real thing of it all. God doesn't mind that we use his name, just not misuse it, because he gave it to us. And that's the name God said is coming to you, Job, in the storm. And who comes to us? He gives us his name because he is a God who identifies himself as our friendly God, our personal Yahweh. God. Yahweh, I am. Yahweh. El Shaddai, El Shaddai, El Adonai. Age to age, you're still the same. By the power of the name El Shaddai, El Shaddai Echamkana Adonai We will praise and lift you high El Shaddai And so to pick up from last week so we can get a good running start into what we're doing today Guess what, Cecilia? We're going to hop in the no. time machine. No, 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 Pastor Dave. I have been good. I have done the time machine for two weeks in a row. I, you I don't like the time machine. You know how I feel about the time machine. Do you like the TARDIS? But this isn't a TARDIS. This is this is some crazy contraption that 
you probably built yourself in your well, workshop. Yeah, but, and, and, for and, those who don't know, the TARDIS is a time machine on, on Doctor Who. Okay. Well, then let me give you a running start to where we're going to go. Okay. Uh, last week, we were looking at God speaking to Job, and, and God said, okay, I'll give you a court date. And he mm-hmm. started explaining his etza. Were you yeah, right. wait, wait, there? Wait, wait. Read, redefine etza. That's the that's letting Job have a peek into his whole creation plan, right? In his council, yeah. From the from the thought stage to the blueprints to the building, the construction, everything. And he spoke about all of the creation. Were you there when I laid the foundations for the mm-hmm. earth? Were you there? And then he, uh, in the next chapter, uh, were, uh, where are you when the goat gives birth on the mountains? How about the horse? Can you yeah, bridle can, it? Can you make it run? Can you make it pause? Right. And all that stuff. Right. So that's what we finished up with last week. Now we move on into... Chapter 41, verse 1. Can you pull in the Leviathan with a fish hook? Okay. Now I'm going to stop there because we're, we're going to let you read more about that. Mm-hmm. For the moment, there are some who think, is this a dragon? And I would I, go ahead. I wondered about uh, Go that. ahead and think dragon right now. It isn't, but I'll explain in a second. Think dragon as he's describing this and picture all of these things. Okay. Um... So, can you pull in the Leviathan with a fish hook? Or tie his tongue down with a rope? <laughs> can you put a cord through his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? Will he keep begging you for mercy? <laughs> Will he speak to you with gentle words? Will he make an agreement with you for you to take him as your slave. Okay, we're getting the idea. Skip down a little bit then. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving to verse 8. Um, if you lay a hand on him, you will remember the struggle. And never do it again. (laughs) I love that. Never do it again. Any hope of subduing him is false. The mere sight of him is overpowering. No one is fierce enough to rouse him. Who then is able to stand against him? And now God will continue to describe this beast... And and it really does sound like a dragon. In one spot, what was it about his... Uh, I will not fail to speak of his limbs. This is verse 12. Okay. His strength, his graceful form. Who can strip off his outer coat? Hmm. Who would approach him with a bridle? Who dares open the doors of his mouth, ringed about with his fearsome teeth? Uh, His back has rows of shields tightly sealed together. And then it goes on and it talks Mm -hmm. about uh, uh, he uh, firebrands stream from his mouth. Um, um, uh, His uh, 
eyes, uh, are flashes of lights. Now, some have wondered, could this be a description of a crocodile? Uh, could this be, is there once a dragon that no longer exists? Um, here's an interesting one that my professor suggested. Mm-hmm. In Revelation, there is a dragon that is mentioned. Now, again, the book of Revelation is using picture language to describe things. And in the book of Revelation, who is the dragon? The devil. The devil. And isn't this the most wonderful description of the devil? Uh, Who can wrestle with him and win? and, And on and on about his mightiness, and no one can tame him. No man can, anyway. And so it's suggested that this dragon mm-hmm. is the devil himself mm. and job doesn't know that it's this same dragon mm-hmm. that was wanting to torment him in the very beginning of the book mm-hmm. but god was in control of all of it none of it would have happened if god hadn't said you can but only this much he had the reign he was holding the reins of that awful dragon the amazing thing, too, is we also see some, and, and you really got to work hard at this. I want to say hard, but you can see then the description of Christ as he then struggled with the dragon, the devil. And no, Job could not subdue him, but Jesus could. And he did. And that's why Jesus is our Savior, because God himself came into the Edsa. Into the, into, the, into the building blocks and fabric of, of, of humanity to save yes. humanity. The building block, building block that was rejected Became the cornerstone of a whole new world The building block, building block that was rejected Became the cornerstone of a whole new world. The building block, building block that was rejected. Became the cornerstone of a whole new world. The building block, building block that was rejected. And so now we start (laughs) with the last chapter of Job. The last chapter of Job, 42. Then... Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. You asked me, Who is this that obscures my counsel without knowledge? Surely, I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, Listen now, and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. What is really significant in this section here is Job says, with my ears, I have heard of you. With my eyes, I have seen you. 
Uh, it's the difference between hearing about something and actually experiencing it. Kind of, again, it's the, the Adonai, the El Shaddai, the, the, the distant God versus the Yahweh. And, and Job is saying, I have seen you. It also jumps us back, and we didn't talk much about this uh, when we were, were in some of these discussions. Job chapter 19, it's some of the most famous verses, 26 and 27. I know that my Redeemer will shall live, and he shall stand on the earth on the last day. And though my body decay and my skin be no more, yet I shall see him with mine own eyes, I will behold him. And so God is actually fulfilling these words of Job. Job didn't mean it quite that way in chapter 19. But he does hear that Job not only hears about this God, distant God of the universe, but experiences him with his very life. Whoa, wait a minute. A couple of questions here. Okay. First of all, you said that uh, I know that my Redeemer lives means something here, but it didn't mean anything in chapter 19. <laughs> okay. Okay. And yeah. then chapter 19 of the book of Job is in all that padding that we skipped. Mm-hmm. And so uh, did Job really say that? Or is that something that... <laughs> okay. Poetic you, license again. You, you kind of caught me real quick here on those words. Yeah, because I was just kind of going really excited. First mm-hmm. off, um, it was in this discussion that came several centuries later mm-hmm. as well as what we're dealing with right now in chapter what chapter are we in 41 uh, yes yeah both of these are later in dealing with this if then uh, type of dilemma that some people make with religion do everything right and god will dispense goodness to you and it doesn't work that way so it, they are both part of that and so they both connect together but even more importantly, in chapter 19, and this is a comforting thing, Job said, hey, I'm going to die, but I am righteous, and I know I will see my God. Okay, that's a statement of faith. Okay. Here in this chapter, God is saying, um, he came to uh, Job and said, okay, you want a court date? And Job is saying, oh my gosh, I see him now. With mine own eyes. It's almost as though Job might have known with his head in chapter 19, but he knows with his heart now. That is true, but even more than that. It's, it's in chapter 19, he's talking about eternity. Chapter mm-hmm. 41, he's talking in the presence, mm. in the present time. That it's, it's not a distant God off in the universe who's going to come back and judge, but this God, Yahweh, I am, is here with him now. Ah, I see. So, having experienced Yahweh in verse 6, Job repents. Mm-hmm. He repents of all the questions and simply goes back to his original statement that he said to his wife uh, in chapter 2, which we know was written uh, uh, in the earlier times. Truly by him, Mm -hmm. spoken by him. In chapter 2, verse 10, where he says, Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? Right. A faith that accepts good or bad, because it doesn't see 
our relationship with God based upon our circumstances. It's based upon the relationship we have. So to the question, where is God or who is God? The answer is God is always right there, even right in the middle of our suffering. And we really see that our God is with us in our sufferings in Jesus. For that's who took upon himself our sins, our suffering, our death on a cross. And by that, we are forgiven. And when Jesus rose from the dead, he gives us that promise, that hope that we all want of something new, something fresh. And so we have that promise, everlasting life. Let me read on, beginning at verse 7. After the Lord said these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz, the Temanite, I am angry with you and your two friends, because you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. So now, take seven bulls and seven rams, and go to my servant Job, and sacrifice a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job will pray for you, and I will accept his prayers and not deal with you according to your folly. You have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz, the Temanite, Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophar, the Namathite, (laughs) Glad you're reading that, not me. Thank you. Did what the Lord told them. And the Lord accepted Job's prayer. Now I have a question. Before before you do, just hang on. First, we have, again, God's mighty hand of mercy here. He's not that distant uh, Elohim of the universe way away who just smites because... He's a just God, but instead he's a merciful God. Just as he was merciful to Job, he was to these three friends. In other words, he didn't just be angry and and stamp around and not explain why he was angry. Right, exactly, exactly. And he gave opportunity for them to repent too. And here's the the second point i got to make right away. There's there's a twist here. Mm Um, because the friends kept saying to Job, we're praying for you. And now God's saying, you better go to Job and ask him to pray for you. Oh, of course. <laughs> and sure. so here again, we have the, the twist. God's bringing it back. And this is shows all the discussion of the friends as being, well, wrong. They got it all wrong. They did. Now your question. All right. Seems kind of surface-ish maybe, but uh, uh, twice God says exactly the same thing. He says, 
um, you have not spoken, basically, you have not spoken right as my servant Job has. And it's repeated in exactly the same way. Yeah, that is very significant. I'm glad you picked that up and noticed that. Um, I'll be honest, I didn't quite see that, but that just underscores the fact that these friends had it all wrong. And what was the, the friends argument to Job on all their speeches? We kept hammering away. What did the friends say? Uh, what have you done? Uh, pray that you will be for, um, mm-hmm. made righteous. And this is why you're suffering and all this has happened because you. what have you done wrong? Mm-hmm. And Joe kept saying, I've done nothing wrong. I'm just the same old guy as I was when I was rich Before and was famous. Yeah. and Yeah. And that's why God said... You have not spoken of me right as my servant. Correct. And he said it. Twice. Twice. Because they kept saying it over and over again. Because God doesn't work that way. Do If you do bad, then I'm going to punish you. Uh, God just doesn't work that way. He sends the rain and the sunshine to the just and the unjust alike, sinners and saints. God provides his presence with us, not blessing. Because all these friends were saying, we know when God is blessing you because you have earthly riches. And if you don't have earthly riches, then God's not blessing you. Therefore, you must have problems. It's that if then. Mm -hmm. And God is saying, no. And Job had it right. It wasn't about because he was a righteous man. He did have faith. Just as we hear too often, we know why you're disabled. It's mm-hmm. because of uh, you don't have enough faith or you've sinned. That's not true. And the book of Job, therefore, does speak to us. And I've heard many people say, well, you're really the book of Job. Uh, you're, you're living through your suffering with patience. But no, that's really not the message of Job. No. The message of Job is... Is suffering has nothing to do with what we've done or not done. It just is. Even as Job said to his wife, should we not receive good from God as well as... Uh, um, trouble. Trouble. Yeah. Both come from the hand of God. But we also know that good comes from the hand of God. And his mercy. And his forgiveness. And so many other things as well. want to be of service to you and so if you will write us we'd love to hear from you so we can serve you and maybe you can even serve us mm-hmm. by all means we love to hear from you with ideas suggestions yeah, like poems for instance, what book are we going to be studying next the Bible. Uh, I know, the Bible, but what book <laughs> in the Bible are we going to be studying next? And so you can write us at info I-N-F-O. At not-alone.net. And don't forget to search us out on Facebook, Pastor Dave Andrus, A-N-D-R-U-S. Or Room 4216. Either one. And until we gather again here in God's presence studying His Word, don't forget, we We are are not alone. alone. 
I will lead you who are blind by the ways you have not known along unfamiliar paths. I will guide you. I will turn the darkness into light before you and make the rough places smooth. (laughs) These are the things I will do. I will not forsake you. Reverend Dr. Christopher W. Mitchell, Concordia Commentary Editor, Concordia Publishing House, St. Louis, Missouri. The Reverend Dr. Henry Rowald, Professor, Concordia Seminary, St. Louis, Missouri. Amy Grant, El Shaddai, from the album Age to Age. Noel Paul Stuckey, The Building Block, from the album Real to Real, and our interlude musicians, Terry Nord and Robert Vaughn. <laughs> 